All right, uh, please remain standing for the reading of God's word from uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but after he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, that because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what this un, sorry, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and he will, <laughs> and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? All right, please bow your heads as we pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for just this day, for all these people here uh, who have come to gather together and worship you. Thank you for the music. Uh, thank you for worship. Lord, be with me as I uh, deliver a sermon today, and let this be your words and not my own, and let it be something that gets people in this church to think about prayer in their life and the value of it to all those who believe. Lord, I'm so thankful for all that you do, and I'm just blown away by the opportunities you put in our life. So we praise you, and in everything you do, we praise you. Amen. All right, so you might notice, oh yeah, you, y'all may be seated. Uh, y'all might notice that uh, the, this is a little bit higher than normal. Uh, that's because I'm preaching today. <clears throat> so that was my opening statement. Anyway, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Zane Forsyth. Uh, I'm a, an elder candidate here at the City Church. Uh, Chris and Jeff have asked me to pray, and not pray, preach as part of this. And when I was told I was supposed to be preaching, I asked, what can I preach on? And Chris and Jeff pretty much said, you can preach on anything uh, as long as it's in the Bible. And that was really disappointing because that immediately disqualified the documentary Mer People on Netflix. I was really excited to talk about that. Uh, but instead, uh, I actually, you know, decided to preach from God's word. Uh, after some time of thinking and contemplation, uh, I was drawn, really, just really drawn to this parable the, the, in Luke chapter 18, uh, specifically on the fact that it focuses so much on prayer and, the, and prayer in the lives of a Christian. So uh, there's a lot of different types of prayer that exist. Uh, you can have a prayer for Thanksgiving. You can have a prayer for confession. You can have a prayer for adoration. All of those are great. You know, Thanksgiving is good. You're acknowledging the gifts God gives you. Confession's good. You're pointing out sin in your life. Adoration's great because you're just looking at God and realizing how majestic he is. But today, I want to specifically focus on the importance of intercessory prayer, which is praying for God to act and how that affects the life of a believer. So in preparation for this, I decided to look up just a few statistics on prayer. I got out ChatGPT because I'm like a modern person, didn't use Google, uh, and I, I looked at it and said, hey, what do, how much do adults pray in America? And it says, in the last decade, the number of adults who pray has daily has dropped from 58% to 45%. So that's not that bad. That means about half of the adults in America pray, which is really good. Um, that's like flipping a coin. You, if you see someone, there's a good chance they prayed today. And then I looked into some more. And it said the number of people who never pray, so never even consider praying, has increased from 18% to 32% during the same time. So that, that's a bad statistic. That's one in three adults you're going to meet have zero desire to pray, have not prayed recently. It's not even crossing their minds. Um, and then I looked into this more, and I was like, okay, well, is there something we're doing other than praying, maybe? And so I looked up uh, meditation, and it says that meditation has increased 10%, from 4% of Americans to 14. So that's still small, but I think that's interesting. 
Because while prayer is declining, we're seeing meditation increasing. And meditation is the idea of you know, contemplating and reflecting, you know, going someplace secluded and taking time. And that's kind of similar to prayer in some ways. Uh, so I think what we're seeing here is not necessarily that people don't want to be alone and contemplate their thoughts, uh, but it's that they don't want to pray to God and that that's becoming something that we're hesitant to do. And that's, that's really frightening to me because I think prayer is one of the most important things in the life of a believer. And so as we talk about, as I preach today, that's the whole point, is to think about how prayer is important to the life of a believer. So without further ado, let's begin. Uh, if you have your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 18, and so we can look at verses 1 through 8. Um, we kind of break this down a little bit. So this, the, these set of verses is known as the parable of the persistent widow. Uh, and one of the things I really like about this set of verses is that in the very first sentence, Luke tells you exactly what the point of the parable is about. Now, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you read a parable and you're like, I don't know what Jesus is talking about, and you have to sit and think about it for a long time. But in this one, Luke just says straight, just spells it out. He says, the main idea is that we ought to pray and not lose heart. So thank you, Luke. You have made my job today significantly easier. Uh, as we go on from there, we go into verse 2, and we start to realize that, yes, this is, in fact, a parable, because we start seeing that things are kind of vague. Uh, it says, in a certain city. It doesn't say, hey, in Jerusalem. It says, in a certain city, there is this corrupt judge. We learn that this judge, we don't really know anything about him, except for he doesn't fear God, and he doesn't respect men. So we have both those things going on with this judge in a city. Remember, a parable is not meant to be something that actually happened. It's meant to be a story that helps us learn more about our relationship with God. So we go on to verse 3. We see this widow. This widow pops in the story. She's the main character, and she wants justice against her adversary. And again, we know nothing else really about the widow. We don't know if this widow is the greatest person on the planet. Maybe she has been you know, Mother Teresa or something. We don't know if she's the worst person on the planet. All we know is she's persistent. Uh, from that point on, we get to verse 5, or skipping verse 4 for some reason, uh, and we see that the, the, the judge got so tired of the widow just like just annoying him, basically, that he gives in and gives her the justice she deserves. Uh, apparently, it actually says he was afraid he will be beaten down, which apparently some commentators actually say he's afraid of being beaten by the woman, which is kind of funny. Um, so anyway, uh, and then the last three verses of this point out that we're supposed to see this judge in contrast of God, that this judge is the opposite of God. This judge is a bad man who ends up doing the right thing just because of this widow's persistence. And we're supposed to realize that God is the opposite of this. He doesn't do the right thing because we annoy him enough. He does the right thing because he's God. And if this bad person will do that, well, how much more so will God bless you? So as we look at these verses, I think they point out some important things. I think they point out the importance of prayer in your life and why all of us should be praying as often as possible. In fact, and I have three main points to, to talk about. One, my main idea is prayer is heard by God. So that's really important. Prayer is heard by God. You might see that on your notes. Two, prayer comes from weakness. Uh, and three, prayer forms us. So we'll, get in, we'll start off by asking this really important question. What is the purpose of prayer? I, I bet many of you have thought this before. You've been praying before and you thought, why am I doing this? This feels really pointless. We have this majestic, amazing God, and then there's me. I'm a human. My thoughts are pointless. This is like an ant having a conversation with an eagle. Why would the eagle care? 
That was a really weird analogy. I just thought of that on the spot. I apologize for that. Uh, but anyway, but I think, and like, this is especially true when I think about the stuff I've even thought about in the last week. Like, last week, I went to Dutch Bros. It was really exciting. And I had to think to myself, do I want a caramelizer or a flapjack mocha? And then I had to think, okay, wait, how much sugar? And then, is it half-calf or full-calf? Eventually, it was a flapjack mocha, half-sugar, half-calf, but that's another story. Uh, and, and that was like such a pointless thing to even spend like my mental energy on. I have a friend at work. All we talk about is baseball. It's like, hey, are the Astros, Rangers, or now Mariners going to win the division? Seemingly the Mariners, uh, which is concerning to all of us here in Texas. Um, or another thing, yesterday, yesterday I, got, I was on YouTube, and I saw a trailer for a TV show. And I was like, oh, this is made by David Fincher. And next thing I know, I'm on a Wikipedia spiral. I'm reading all about David Fincher movies, which is really not a great thing to do with your life, and spend about 30 minutes just in this Wikipedia hole. And it's just when I stop and think about this, I feel like, what is the point of that? Like, why, why would God, like, these are the thoughts I think about. They're so the opposite of majestic. Why does God want to hear me? And when, like, why would God even listen to me? And to answer that question, it's actually really good just to look at scripture. So I, I, uh, I'm not going to say I went back to ChatGPT, but I probably did. Um, and I quickly was able to find some very clear examples that God not only asks us to pray, but he hears them. So let's look at this. In Genesis 16, Hagar, after she's kicked out from Abraham and Sarah, she goes off in the wilderness, she's alone with her son, and she prays to God for provision, and God hears her and provides. In Exodus 2, the Israelites are praying for deliverance in Egypt from slavery, and then God hears them and he provides. In Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke, Jesus goes off and prays for 40 days and nights in the wilderness right after he's baptized. Uh, remember, that's Jesus. He's, you know, pretty important. We're supposed to model our entire lives off him, and he goes off and prays. It also urges us to pray specifically. If you read uh, 1 Thessalonians 15, 17, it very blatantly says, pray without ceasing. That's the whole verse. Go Bible. Okay, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Once again, that's literally the word of God telling us to pray. Colossians 4 through 2, sorry, 4 through 2. 4, 2, devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. These are all moments where the Bible is either showing God answering a prayer or telling us to pray. And this parable is another example of the Bible telling us to pray. Jesus didn't tell us this story for no reason. He told us this to encourage us that we'll pray to the end of the age without losing faith. So the purpose of this parable is to see the goodness of God by standing him in contrast to the ungodly. This judge is corrupt. He is awful. He is doing everything wrong, but God isn't. God is incorruptible, and he acts kindly towards us. This bad judge only does the right thing because he gets so tired of the widow that he just wants to move on. He's like, just go away. We've all been there, right? Can we just figure this out? Just go away, okay? But the judge, but God is unlike the judge. He likes hearing us. He wants to hear us. All these passages from the Bible tell us that God wants to hear us. And so when we pray, we have to know that prayer is something worth doing and is therefore doing something. And in all these verses, like, it's very clear that God hears and responds. So I want to just finish this first point by saying very clearly, be thankful. You are heard by God. That should be one of the most thank things we're most thankful for, is that God, the God who made the universe, hears you, hears your prayers, and you are heard by him. So let's all be very thankful for that. In the parable, it's also important to look at the fact that the widow is the one being heard, and that's very important for our next point, which we're going to get into now, is that when we pray, it's important to remember that prayer comes from weakness. 
So this widow is weak. She would be a very small per person in this society. She really can't do anything on her own. She understands that she's having to go up to this judge who is very strong in order to get the justice that she desires. And she doesn't get it immediately. She has to keep persisting because this judge doesn't care because she's just a widow. And the thing we have to think about with this story is you know, ignoring the fact that judge is awful. And remember, we have to remember that God is good. We have to remember that this shows our status before God, that we are weak and he is strong. And I think this is probably the biggest stumbling block for prayer for Americans. Like, think about the, the world we live in. We are growing, we grow up being told that we, we can do everything on our own, that we can be strong, weakness is awful. Like, if you fail, that's on you and you stink, you know? Uh, I, 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 like, I think about, like, the idea of saying, oh, yeah, I'm struggling with this. Like, growing up was not something that I would do. It always felt, like, weird to admit my own weakness. And I, that's just a problem for us. Being strong, being, we want to just will stuff into existence, right? If I can just make this happen, if I can do the right things, I can, I can make the best possible option. We want to be our own God. We believe this makes us strong. The funny thing, guys, is that the exact opposite is true. We do everything by God's allowance. And it is when we are weakest that he is, in fact, most strong. So I don't know if any of y'all, well, many of y'all probably know this, but I have some experience with weakness. Or feeling weak. Um, for those of y'all who don't know the story, my wife had cancer. Uh, it was for about six years, uh, and that was obviously very difficult. But what a lot of people forget is that about 14 days before Katie had cancer, we went on a family vacation in Wisconsin, and I was riding a bike. And I was very excited riding this bike. I remember thinking to myself, I love riding bikes. I should do this more often. Uh, and then I uh, was about to run into someone, so I pulled the brake really hard while going down a hill. I pulled the wrong brake, uh, and I flipped over my bicycle, slammed my body into the ground, shattered my elbows, broke my collarbone, amazingly in a Z pattern, which is my, the first letter of my first, anyway, um, and, uh, and was just a mess. Uh, I had to go to the hospital, they gave me lots of prescription drugs just to not like be crying nonstop. One of Katie's uncles just looked at me and said like, that was a bad break and walked off. I don't remember who that man was. Uh, Katie, you'll tell me later. Anyway, uh, we just went all the way home. We had to ride home from Wisconsin in a car. It was awful. I finally got surgery. And yeah, it was just a really, really, really hard time for me. But the worst thing about this is that Katie then got diagnosed with cancer like six days after that happened. And so while my wife is going through the worst experience of her life and the most difficult experience for my life, I am completely immobile. Guys, at this point, I can't move my arms. So I couldn't pick up my phone to text Katie when she went off to the hospital. I couldn't read about like, what was going on and try to learn like, about tumors or anything like that. Uh, I couldn't feed myself. In fact, uh, Katie's mom kept feeding me and kept giving me way too much watermelon. Uh, that's a story for another time. I couldn't bathe myself. I couldn't sleep in a normal bed. I had to sleep in a lazy boy. I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own. I, I also couldn't dress myself. In fact, the way I kept getting dressed was my, I don't even know where we found this dress, but someone found a really big dress for apparently a very tall woman, and they just slid it over my body, and then they took me out in public. Um, which seems, that seems cruel, but uh, anyway. But uh, yeah, so that was it. That was all I had. I was utterly hopeless. I couldn't do a single thing. And guys, it was terrifying. I have never been confronted with my own weakness like I was then. I realized that I'm human and that I can't do things. Like when Katie was sick and I was injured, all I wanted 
was to just be able to fix it, to somehow stand up and by my own human will and abilities just pull this, this failure into some sort of success. Like, oh, I snapped my fingers, Katie's done with cancer, and my, my arms are healed and things are good. But instead, it was six more weeks of me being in slings and not being able to move, and it was years of Katie having to go through surgeries and chemo and things like that. So this was a lesson that I never wanted to learn or expected to learn. This was a complete shock in every way. But looking back and reflecting on it, I'm actually very glad I learned it. Uh, I was like the widow. Like, I was completely helpless. I was completely weak. I was also wearing a dress. That was another way I was like the widow. Uh, <laughs> I had to put that one in there. Anyway, um, so that, that was really hard. And that, but that taught me how to pray. That taught me how to rely on God and trust in him. That taught me that it's not about my ability to fix things. It's about trusting in him to make things right, to make things new, to make things good, like he has been doing for all of human history. And you might be sitting there hearing the story and think, well, I've never been in that situation. I've never sat in a lazy boy with broken arms, feeling weak, and taking Percocet. You never probably thought that. But maybe you go to work and you feel like a failure at work because maybe you're just not doing good at your job right now. You're, maybe your family's really a lot and you're, you're, they're tiring and you, and you can't get to work on time because your kid keeps like melting down on the way out the door. Or maybe you just haven't gotten the promotion and it just feels like, gosh, I just fail over and over and over again. Maybe you feel like a bad parent. Like your kids, they're acting up and you're like, all right, I'm gonna fix this. And then you just make everything worse. Like you did the exact wrong thing. And this seems to happen every single day. And you're like, why am I so bad at this? And you feel like you're failing and you wonder if your kids are going to be at all okay. Or maybe you feel like you're just too busy for your friends and family. Like you're working, you're, you're active, you're, doing, you're involved in a ton of different good things, but you're just not able to see them. And guys, those might be moments that make you feel weak. And let me tell you something, those are good. It's good to feel weak in that because it reminds us that we cannot do this without God. If you're trying to do all those things on your own, you're going to fail, and that's a grace that teaches us to trust in him. So in truth, guys, we have to remember that we are fully dependent on him. It is not by our power or our will, it's by his power and his will. He blesses us. We have to learn that mindset and trust in that, that God blesses us, that we can't do it ourselves. To see our weakness before him as our greatest strength, we need to pray from a position of weakness. We need to realize that he is the one who acts, that he is the one whose will is done. One of the hardest things about Katie's illness is thinking about the people who didn't make it. Now, this is something that I've actually struggled with quite a lot, is we, Katie had a, a, a really rare cancer, it's normally in children, and so we end up at Cook Children's um, on the fifth floor. And uh, that is not a fun place to be, and you see a lot of hard things. We saw adults with cancer, we saw kids with cancer, uh, and we saw them doing exactly what we were doing. They were praying, they were calling out to God, we were praying for them and with them. Uh, we, they were persistent in prayer over and over and over again. And yet, over time, you'd start to see them not show up anymore. And you'd hope that they were cured, uh, but then you'd find out a little bit later that they didn't make it. And that's a really hard thing to think about. Because why is it that God answered our prayer? Why is it that we persisted in prayer and they persisted in prayer, or that you can just in general persist in prayer and your prayer go unanswered? So for those of you all who are taking notes, uh, we are now in the prayers formation section. I just want to quickly throw that in there. Uh, we've gone through the first two. But, uh, but back to that question. Uh, why, what happens when you persist in prayer and your prayer goes unanswered? And uh, once again, to think about this, I think we just need to go back to Scripture and we need to look at Jesus. Uh, Jesus, on the night he is going to be crucified, what is he doing? 
He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. And he's, and he's praying. He actually in there says, like, God, if you can remove this cup from me, like, please. He says, but I submit to your will. And that's, a, that's, that's powerful there. Like, Jesus, who knows the whole reason he's here. Like, it wasn't a shock to Jesus. Like, he came to earth. His whole life is meant to be lived for him to be sacrificed so that we may be of God forever. Like, that's his whole life. That's his whole purpose. Yet he is praying for God to potentially not do that if there's another way, and then submits to God's will in this. And so why would he do that? Why would God, why would Jesus, God made flesh, be praying knowing his prayer is going to go unanswered? And I think that when we, when we look at this, we have to understand that Jesus knows something about prayer that we don't know, which, you know, prayer is not about getting what we want. Uh, God is not a genie. That would be really cool if he was, if I could just say, God, give me a Tesla. That would be awesome, but that's not how this works. Prayer is not about getting what we want. Prayer is formation. When we are praying over and over and over again, we are being formed to be more like God. We are setting our mind on the things of God. We start to lower ourselves. We start to elevate him, and then we ultimately submit, just like Jesus did, to the will of God. This is so valuable for us to be formed into the image of God. You know, I think when we look at our prayers, we have a tendency to think less of our prayers are answered than they actually are. Uh, in truth, I think, many, I think most of our prayers are answered and you're just forgetting that they, you prayed them. Like, let's use an example that every parent has ever experienced. Your kid won't go to sleep. Okay, you're in the house, your kid is not going to sleep. Like, all right, time to get out that book the kid likes. Not working. Okay, we're going to play this YouTube video. Still not working. All right, Benadryl time. Still not working. Uh, can we give Benadryl and melatonin to a kid at the same time? Uh, you know, still not working. Finally, you're just like, oh, God, just can this kid go to sleep? And then you look, and they just, they, you are hoping this fall over. But nope, still not asleep. Uh, but then like 30 minutes later, guess what? Your kid's probably asleep, and you're going on your day, and you're like talking to your spouse, like, wow, they were really hard to put down. And you forget that you prayed for God to put your kid to sleep, and he did. It just took more time than you realized. Or I think about Katie and I. Um, Katie and I have a prayer we've been praying for a very long time. It's been a years-long prayer, and it's an exhausting prayer we've been praying. And I remember uh, a few weeks ago, I was talking to her, and I said, Katie, I am so tired of, this, of praying this prayer. It feels like God's not hearing me. I'm feeling exhausted, and I just, I just wish God could show me Ebenezer's. You can go, you know, show me that he's doing this, that he's hearing me. And Katie like, looked at me and was like, what are you talking about? Like, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Here's like five Ebenezer's off the top of my head. And I was like, oh, wow, uh, what an incredible woman I married. But, um, but I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, well, how does she know this? And, how, and I've missed this. Like, why was I not noticing that? And then I stopped and reflected on this. is because Katie was praying the same prayers as me. As she was praying, she was seeing God. And I was feeling weak, but she was able to encourage me by seeing, pointing out the signs and, the, and wonders that God was showing her. And that was able to comfort me. And that's really important. It actually adds a kind of a little aside here, is that praying community is really valuable. Uh, I think we sometimes think it's prayer as an entirely solitary thing. Like if I just have more time, you know, in my, my war room, you know, close, the, close my closet and start praying, uh, everything will be good. But I think it's also really valuable to pray in a community. When we pray with people we love, we hear what they care about. We get to know them deeper and more fully. Uh, and then we get to think about them more often and pray for them more often. And then when they're, and God answers those prayers, we get to celebrate with them. We become a community that is formed more like God. And I think that's 
beautiful. That's amazing. That's something we should all be so thankful for. I mean, when we become people who put our hope in the Lord, we realize that the weakness of this human form, like what it is, and we, and we give up ourselves. We decide to love our neighbor. We decide to trust in God more. In short, we become more like Jesus, which is the ultimate goal and end, end result of prayer. And let's go back to Jesus here for a second and remember what he did. Jesus prayed all night in the garden, knowing that his prayer would not be answered. He cried out to God while he was crucified for our sins. He rose again and now at this, is at the right hand of the Father, still praying persistently on our behalf, constantly making intercessions for us. Jesus knows the importance of persistence prayer. Yeah, I said that really poorly. Let me try that one more time. Tongue twister. Jesus knows the importance of persistent prayer. We should pray like he does. So in closing, I just have a few questions for you guys to think about. If you are not praying in your life, why is that? Like, are you, are you afraid that your prayers aren't being heard? Like, do you, do you wonder why God cares? Are you afraid of your own weakness to humble yourself before God and admit you just can't do it? To go against everything you've been taught, you have to do it all by yourself and trust that God will do it? Does it bother you when your prayers don't get answered and you just sit there and wonder, why does it feel like God won't hear me? Please know this, guys. God does hear your prayers. He enjoys your prayers. He wants to hear your prayers. He is strong when you are weak, and he makes us strong and more like him. And that he is forming you, even in the unanswered prayers, to be more like him and to be more in line with his will. So guys, let's be a church that is like this parable. Let's be a church that's filled with people who pray and do not lose heart, because we know that God is working in our prayers. So with that being said, hey, let's pray, all right? Um, Lord, thank you so much for just, for just the power and beauty of prayer. Thank you for being with us in the midst of our hardships and emotion, in the times where we, feel, we realize our weakness and know we just can't do enough. Lord, let us trust in you to know that even when things don't feel like you're hearing us, that you are forming us to be more like you and that you love us in the midst of it all. Lord, you are so good and so mighty and it is so amazing that you hear us. Lord, let us never doubt that we're heard by you and loved by you and let every single day be a day that draws us closer to you and to one another and a community of people who love you. It is in your holy, amazing name that we pray. Amen.